Okay, this is a man named William Potter Gale. Uh, the man on the left there. He, he was a self-styled preacher who held a very long grudge. By which I mean he held a grudge that started half a century before he was born. William Potter Gale's beef with the universe began in the late 1860s, right after the Civil War. Uh, in the years after the Civil War, the, the southern states were still far from folded back into the Union. They were still under the control of federal troops. The southern states were legally part of the Union again, but only because they had lost the war. And so they were also kind of occupied territories, and they hated it. And after years of the Reconstruction era of the southern state capitals being occupied by federal troops after the Civil War, white southern lawmakers used a, a series of political machinations that would make a senator blush uh, to wrangle through Congress at the time a law to basically get those federal troops, those hated Yankee Union troops, out of the South. Quote, from and after the passage of this act, it shall not be lawful to employ any part of the Army of the United States as a posse comitatus. That, la that last part is Latin. Posse comitatus uh, means power of the county. And throughout history, going back to England, uh, it refers to the county government, specifically the county sheriff, as the supreme law of the land. Our Posse Comitatus Act uh, in 1878 said federal forces could no longer essentially supplant local authorities in the South. They could no longer supplant local authorities in handling law enforcement and the protection of the population. And that act came out of a very specific time for a very specific purpose. That act said, Union troops, get out of the South. Our counties are going to take it from here. And so, roughly a dozen years after the end of the Civil War, the federal government did pull the troops back from the Southern states. And local white officials in the South were thereby essentially cleared to reassert their authority over their own communities. And we know exactly what they decided to do with it, right? The end of the Reconstruction era led to Jim Crow segregation and the lynchings and the cross burnings and the organized terror campaigns against black Americans that were used to enforce the Jim Crow rules. The years after Reconstruction were so difficult for our country that a lot of people still argue that the Civil War hadn't really ended in the South. And it went on that way, decade after decade, out of the 19th century and into the 20th century. In 1957, President Eisenhower sent federal troops back into the American South. He sent them so they could stand guard over the integration of Little Rock Central High School in Arkansas. He sent soldiers to make that happen. The U.S. Supreme Court had made integration the law of the land, but it took federal troops to make it the law of Arkansas. By that time, uh, old William Potter Gale, he was already preaching anti-federal government white supremacist claptrap, uh, which he put under the banner of the Christian Identity Movement. Uh, but that decision by President Eisenhower to send in those troops to Arkansas in 1957, that so enraged William Potter Gale that he decided that he was going to start his own new branch of that movement and he was going to give it a new name. Uh, writer named Kevin Carey wrote a terrific account of this uh, a while back in the Washington Monthly. William Potter Gale called his new movement Posse Comitatus. He named it after that 1878 law that had forced Union troops out of the Reconstruction South. As Mr. Gale explained his idea, quote, county sheriffs were the supreme legal law enforcement officers in the land, and county residents had the right to form a posse to enforce the Constitution However, they, as sovereign citizens, chose to interpret it. Public officials who interfered, said Gale, should be hung by the neck at noon. 
So, so individuals are sovereign. Only the county sheriff is in charge. The federal government has no authority in this guy's white supremacist world. And yes, his operating theory sounds crazy and fringe, and it was crazy and fringe. But if that was your particular flavor of extremism in, say, the early 1970s, and you didn't think the anti-civil rights, anti-fluoride John Birch Society was extreme enough for you, then you could join William Potter Gale and his radical posse comitatus. All through the 1970s, Mr. Gale worked the Farm Belt states specifically, uh, planning chapters and clusters in places like Kansas uh, and Texas. His Texas chapter was founded by this guy, um, who's named Gordon Call. Before the posse comitatus thing ever got going, really, Gordon Call had already announced that he would no longer pay income taxes because he said he was sovereign as a man. He said the government was Satan. And for a long time, it was one thing to be that one lone guy in Texas with that crazy idea. But along comes this good organizer guy with the posse comitatus idea, idea and all of a sudden, he's a leading member of a movement. This, you know, the sheriff is the only law way out there, racist Christian identity movement called the Posse Comitatus. Gordon Cole, the guy from Texas, he ended up serving time in prison uh, for not paying his taxes because he didn't believe he had to. Um, then he got out on parole and he violated his parole. And once he violated his parole, federal marshals came to collect him and it went horribly wrong. Police in the Northern Plains and Canada tonight are hunting for at least two gunmen wanted for killing two U.S. Marshals in a blazing shootout last night. It happened in Medina, North Dakota, and as Roger O'Neill reports, the men who got away are members of Posse Comitatus, a militant anti-tax group. The police were trying to arrest 53-year-old Gordon Call of Midland, Texas, for violating probation on an income tax evasion conviction. Call is described as a fanatical opponent of taxes. He was formerly a farmer in North Dakota and was attending an anti-tax meeting of farmers at this clinic in Medina. Call, a member of the radical anti-tax group Posse Comitatus, is known to be armed and dangerous. Authorities say in the past, Call has said he would not be taken alive. Gordon Call ended up uh, escaping to Arkansas and he was killed in a shootout in Arkansas. That was 1983. A little less than a decade later, in 1992, it was a white supremacist in Ruby Ridge, Idaho. He'd sold some sawed-off shotguns to somebody who turned out to be an undercover ATF agent. Uh, he ended up going to jail, getting released on bail, not turning up for his trial when federal marshals turned up at his place to say, hey, you got to turn up for your trial. He ended up in a shootout with those federal marshals. His wife and his teenage son and a marshal were all killed. That was Ruby Ridge. Randy Weaver was a member of the Aryan Nations. He'd also bounced around this world of tax protesters and people who considered themselves to be sovereign citizens, direct inheritors of this idea that you are a nation unto yourself, you are sovereign, and no one can tell you what to do except for maybe the sheriff. Today, the people who call themselves sovereign citizens are definitely still around. Their numbers are increasing, according to the people who track these things. Uh, one of the most visible signs about them is that they tend to make their own IDs if they carry them at all. They may not put real license plates on their cars as well, because to them, there is no legitimate state or federal government. And it's silly stuff in a way, but over time, these self-proclaimed sovereign citizens have become pretty violent and therefore pretty scary. In 1993, a farmer named James Nichols contested a speeding ticket in Michigan by claiming that he was a sovereign citizen and thus could not be prosecuted. His brother tried to pull the same thing by paying a debt on a bank that, a, that, uh, of a, that he that, and a bank that he, was an institution that he made up and did not exist. 
His brother was Terry Nichols. Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols uh, both consider themselves to be sovereign citizens. They ended up blowing up the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City in 1995, killing more than 150 people. When Timothy McVeigh got pulled over after the Oklahoma City bombing, it was because he was driving a car without license plates because sovereign citizens don't believe in license plates. Over the years, the members of these groups, spawned by the Posse Comitatus movement, they've tried to separate themselves sometimes from the overt racism and white supremacy that launched their movement in the first place. Uh, but after a lot of new attention to these groups, after the bombing in Oklahoma City, NBC's Nightly News uh, did a segment where they sent a hidden camera into a Missoula gun show. And the reporter for that segment, Fred Francis, he found all those old threads uh, still knotted together. In many cases, the hate groups of the past have reconstituted themselves into these militias. In isolated regions like this, it's easy to find people who worry about losing their weapons. But once involved, many find there is an ideology driving the militia craze, white supremacy, with the Christian identity movement armory. deep in the background. Nearby, a branch of his militia was selling guerrilla manuals along with blatantly anti-black, anti-Semitic literature. This comic book, aimed at school kids, features the hero White Will and contains graphic images of whites beating blacks. And this book, America, Free, White, and Christian, saying that the United States was created as a white and Christian nation, that freedom of religion basically pertained only to Christians. And with these weapons confiscated from Michigan militiamen last year was this religious tract, warning, revelation is about to be fulfilled. It forecasts death for anyone who's not a Christian true believer. That report from NBC was in 1995, a quarter century after the pseudo-minister with the grudge launched this whole idea of the white Christian birthright, Christian identity, the white Christian birthright in a world in which there is no real federal American government and the county sheriff is the only law of the land that a sovereign citizen man should acknowledge. Uh, today, you can still find him, William Potter Gale. You can still find him in places like this, memorialized by the Aryan Nations online. But you can also find echoes of his ideas uh, in places like this, uh, the Oath Keepers, guardian, Guardians of the Republic, uh, and the Ten Orders That They Will Not Obey. Uh, also, these folks, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, led by Sheriff Richard Mack, foremost purveyor of the Sheriffs in Charge rule today, sponsored by what I'm sure is some very nice freeze-dried apocalyptic food. Sheriff Mack was uh, the one who made headlines in the middle of the Cliven Bundy Fox News-hyped Nevada Ranch standoff recently when he said that he and the militia members flocking to Nevada to fight the federal government alongside that rancher, they might try to use their wives and daughters as human shields once the shooting started. We were actually strategizing to put all the women up at the front. If they're going to start shooting, it's going to be women that are going to be televised all across the world getting shot by these rogue federal officers. You see what it says on his hat there? See? C-S-P-O-A. That's his group, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. You go to their website, it tells you about power-hungry government officials backed by people with hidden agendas have convinced us to sacrifice our freedoms bit by bit. And with every change, they gain a little more power, a little more control. But what does this have to do with us, the, uh, the, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association? Well, this. The county sheriff, he says, 
is the line in the sand. The county sheriff is the one who can say to the feds, beyond these bounds you shall not pass. This is not only within the scope of the sheriff's authority, it is the sheriff's sworn duty. Explain, we already have hundreds of police, sheriffs, and other officials who have expressed a desire to be part of this holy cause of liberty. We're going to train and vet them all state by state. Then these local governments will issue our new declaration to the federal government regarding the abuses that we will no longer tolerate or accept. Said declaration will be enforced by our constitutional sheriffs and peace officers. In short, the CSPOA will be an army to set our nation free. An army that will free us from the federal government because the county sheriff is the highest law in the land. There is no federal government. There's only the sheriff. Posse comitatus, the power of the county. This idea that the county sheriff is the highest law in the land and the federal government has no authority, it is a weird idea. But it is an old idea that is directly, in a linear way, directly descendant in this country from the people who came up with this cockamamie argument in the first place in the 1800s to argue that federal troops shouldn't be allowed into the South to protect black people. When you hear people arguing this weird idea that they don't acknowledge the authority of the federal government, that they only acknowledge the sheriff, there is a really specific place where that idea comes from. What is your response to Harry Reid? I don't have a response for Harry Reid, but I have a response for every sheriff across the United States. Every county sheriff across the United States to disarm the federal uh, bureaucrats. Take the federal, federal United States bureaucrats' guns away. That's my message today. They wanted to show the American people in the world that they had unlimited power and they, you know, they had taken over state sovereignty, our, our Nevada laws, our public lands. Right. You know, listen, yeah. listen, do you think they really have taken it over? I don't think so. Now, they might have took over our uh, Clark County Sheriff, but they never took over we the people, the sovereign people of this nation. We, we're standing and we're going we're gonna to stand until we take the guns away from those bureaucracies. What would happen if they came in the early morning hours one day to your ranch? Well, first I got to say, Harry, get your army out of Nevada. Get your army away from my ranch and off the Clark County public land and keep it out. And if they come, we'll deal with them tonight. If that's what we got to do, we'll just deal with you. Just when you got guts enough to do it, come on. Well, he also said, Richard Mack, is I don't think it would be possible to launch a raid without violence. If they came to arrest you, would you surrender? <laughs> I went to the proper uh, authorities. Meaning? And I don't believe, I don't believe, uh, there would have to be Clark County Sheriff. If he come to arrest me, I would definitely uh, let him arrest me. All right, let me go. He's the only man in. Go ahead. He's the only man with resting power in Clark County, Nevada. The Clark County Sheriff is the highest legal authority in the country. If you live in Clark County, Nevada. Fox News Channel, uh, the conservative media broadly, I don't think there's any reason to believe that they have spent all this time hyping and glorifying and romanticizing this rancher in Nevada because he is a posse comitatus guy, because he adheres to this longstanding, bizarre, conspiratorial American fringe belief that the sheriff is the highest legal authority in the country and the federal government doesn't exist. I don't think Fox News has been celebrating him for weeks now specifically because of that. But somebody should have noticed that the guy kept bringing this stuff up, right?
I don't recognize the United States government as, as even existing. Even in the really far right-wing reaches that have become normal Republican and conservative politics in our country in the last few years, it is not a typical thing to hear somebody say, not that they don't like the federal government or that they wish the federal government was smaller, but that they don't believe the federal government exists. That's weird, right? I mean, when you're talking with somebody about the actions of this purported federal government and they respond that they don't think it exists, that they recognize no legal authority other than their county sheriff, that is a weird enough assertion that it should prick up your ears, right? It should make you Google or something, shouldn't it? They would have to be Clark County Sheriff. If he come to arrest me, I would definitely uh, let him arrest me. All right, let me go. He's the only man in... Go ahead. He's the only man with resting power in Clark County, Nevada. Okay, let's move on. That, that was one of more than a half a dozen appearances that this sovereign citizen Nevada sheriff uh, has made on the Fox News channel in the past couple of weeks. They keep booking him over and over and over and over and over again, doing segment after segment all day long and all over their primetime lineup, lionizing this guy, taking on his fight against the federal government as if it is their own, celebrating when all the media coverage that they themselves gave him caused enough men with guns to turn up and point their guns at federal officials that the federal officials left the scene without enforcing the legal federal court order that they had to enforce. And all the time, they kept booking him and putting him on TV and putting him on talk radio. All the time they kept interviewing him, he kept insisting, bringing up on his own terms, he kept insisting on how the federal government doesn't really exist. He doesn't recognize the authority of the federal government. He doesn't open mail from the federal government. He doesn't think the United States government is a thing. And he keeps advancing this bizarre theory that only county sheriffs have authority in America. And the conservative media booking him and the Republican politicians siding with him, they all just ignore the fact that he is spouting weird, sovereign citizen, posse comitatus, conspiracy theory nonsense every time they give him a microphone. And it's nonsense of a very specific origin. It's nonsense that derives from the theory that the 14th Amendment destroyed the last real American government and federal authority shouldn't be allowed into the South to protect black people from racist whites. And that fringe and very specific American sickness has been preserved and handed down in the centuries since they invented it in Reconstruction, it has been preserved and handed down in the centuries since by white supremacists, to the point where you can buy sovereign citizens, I don't recognize the federal government, fake legal papers to try to use in court. You can buy those fake legal papers out of the back pages of Aryan Brotherhood newsletters that circulate in the prison system. Whoever was asleep at the switch at the Fox News Channel and in the offices of Senator Rand Paul and Senator Dean Heller and all of these other people who embraced this Nevada guy and who never noticed all the omnipotent sheriff stuff he kept saying. And so they were shocked, shocked when he came to this. For the people who were asleep at the switch, why were you? Why didn't you see this coming? I want to tell you one more thing I know about the Negro. They didn't have nothing to do. They didn't have nothing for their kids to do. They didn't have nothing for the young girls to do. And because they were basically on government subsidy, and so now what do they do? They abort their, their young children. They put their young men in jail because they never, they never learned how to pick cotton. And I've often wondered, are they better off as slaves picking cotton, having family life and doing things, or are they better off under government subsidy? 
that was set on Saturday. Uh, the remarks were first reported last night by the New York Times. Uh, the rancher first asked that the Times retract its story, uh, but then Media Matters got its hand on the tape of him actually saying it. Turns out the Times quote was spot on. Today, uh, the rancher reiterated his remarks on a couple more radio shows, explaining the same thing about how blacks were better off in slavery, or at least we ought to ask about it. Back again tonight at his ranch, he said it again with a lot of press there. And the conservative media and the Republican politicians who have glorified him and, and tried to turn him into a national hero, today they say they are shocked, shocked that it turns out he thinks African Americans should be picking cotton as slaves because that would at least be good for them. And let us all pray that it is out of ignorance that the National Review comparing him to Gandhi and the right-wing activists comparing him to Rosa Parks and the Fox News Channel booking him and his family and over and over and over and over and over again as heroes and the Republican senator calling his armed supporters pointing guns at federal law enforcement officers patriots. Let us pray that that was happening under a veil of ignorance. Let us pray that they had no idea that there is a long-standing, fairly violent right-wing movement in this country that is born in the defense of slavery and that causes people to say weird stuff about sheriffs being the supreme authority and the federal government not existing. Let us pray that the right and these Republican senators made a hero out of this guy in bloody ignorance of where he was really coming from. But it is a choice as to whether or not you do your homework before you try to mainstream a guy like this. The, the turn today to let me tell you another thing I know about the Negro, that was telegraphed way, way, way in advance here. Anybody who chose not to see it coming now has this mess all over themselves. I want to tell you one more thing I know about the Negro. They didn't have nothing for their kids to do. They didn't have nothing for their young girls to do. And because... They were basically on government subsidy, and so now what do they do? They abort their, their young children. They put their young men in jail because they never, they never learned how to pick cotton. And I've often wondered, oh, are they better off as slaves? Okay, so that's the end of that. She basically does an interview, but I'm, I am... Um... <laughs> Sorry. So we are going to talk about what happened in Loudoun County this past week. There was apparently a person that was that sexually assaulted someone. They were tried and convicted. And so they were punished and they were punished and this was portrayed as something that was quote-unquote um, a part of woke culture that this was all about that this was all about trans people <clears throat> I'm sorry if I start to yell <laughs> I'm gonna get a little worked up about this one I'm gonna get a little worked up this one Robbie Sov, I'm going to say in advance, I don't mean this personally. This is not personal. I'm sure you're a nice person. I'm sure you do your job well. I'm sure you try your hardest in life. I'm sure you've worked tirelessly. I'm going to play something, and then I want us to get into a discussion about what's going on at school boards around the country. Because... <laughs> 
from CNN to MSNBC to Vice to every publication that I've seen, there is universal coverage outside of the right-wing press about the kind of behavior and the kind of tactics that are going on at school board meetings across the country. And we're gonna talk about that here in just a minute. But first, we're gonna play this clip. Again, Robbie, I'm sorry, I don't mean to yell. I'm a little worked up, just a tad, just a tad. I don't mean to yell at you. I'm sure you're nice. I'm sure you're a nice man. I'm sure you're a nice man. I'm sure you mean well. I'm sure you mean well. I really am. I'm sure that you mean well. But we are going to talk about what's going on around the country at school board meetings. We're gonna talk about its impact on 2022, and we're gonna talk about its semblance to what was going on in 2009 and 2010 by the Tea Party at local city council and school board meetings and state legislature gatherings, sessions. We're gonna have a quick chat, just a quick chat before I skip on to Grant Theft Auto, because we're gonna have a discussion about what's going on at school boards around the country. And then we're gonna have a conversation about what he stated, okay? We're gonna have a con. And to be honest with you, as I stated, he's a nice man. I'm sure he works hard. I'm sure he means well. I'm not calling him any sort of name. I'm saying that I disagree forcefully and that ignorance on this topic cannot be excused, cannot be excused. And so we're gonna have a quick conversation. As I stated, uh, may, may God bless you and keep you, you know, and, and all the rest of it. However, we're gonna have a conversation about what's going on around the country at school board meetings. So here we go. This is from Joshua Potash out of New York City. You should go follow him, he's a good guy. He's a abolitionist, anti-capitalist. He says, quote, anti-vaxxers at this Staten Island rally are now talking about burning town halls and schools to the ground and picking up guns. And there's a reason why I played Posse Comitatus, the clip from Rachel Maddow about Posse Comitatus before I got here, before I got here. If they're going to push this on the kids, Without any type of, you know, balance on our end that we've been comfortable with, I can guarantee you one thing. Town halls and schools will be fucking burnt to the ground. In 1776, in 1776, nobody went to fucking court. Nobody went to court. Anyone grabbed a gun and they fucking shot at each other. Just understand that there are plenty of people that are ready to go there. So I just so I wanna I wanna play that clip and then I wanna play another clip from MSNBC. So we're gonna have a quick chat about what's going on around uh, the Mike. We're gonna have a quick chat. Okay. I wanna uh so we will not comply all the rest of this stuff. That's legitimate protest, right? Go out there, rah, 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 rah. I don't want masks. I don't want vaccines. I don't want to be told by the government. I don't want my kids going to school, being told about public health. 
We heard about this earlier last week from uh, 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 you can go watch it. It's Hogwatch with Hasanabi. It's called Marjorie Titan Green Isn't Crazy because I refuse to believe that these people are crazy because crazy lets people off the hook. As a person who's often called crazy, I'll take it. But you know what? These people, they're not crazy. They are ideologically driven. They are fed and foddered by the right wing, the vast right wing news machine, educated by millionaires and billionaires who fund right-wing organizations and news outlets, propaganda outlets throughout the United States. And to be honest with you, much of this can be laid at the feet of government for not keeping the confidence of the American people, for the American people being able to be told by a political party for decades now that the federal government has no right in order to enforce any sort of law for the public good, there's no conversation to be had, and that this is, and that somehow we should all be excused from the mandates that the federal government has, from the power of the federal government to be able to enforce the general welfare clause of the United States Constitution. It is a forceful argument against the general welfare clause and this, along with eliminating the fairness doctrine, this along with the vast right-wing news machine, along with Fox News and Mark Levin and Tucker Carlson and Sagar and Jetty and Ben Shapiro and uh, Louder with Crowder, all of the right-wing loudmouths that have been spewing this nonsense for years to not trust the federal government to not trust the federal government. And I want to enforce this idea that with the internet, with the, with the Republican Party and right-wing press consistently telling people not to trust the news, don't listen to the government, make up your own solutions to your problems, there are consequences for that, and we're going to go into that. But I want to go back to this point about Rachel Maddow. She said it years ago, and I'm going to repeat it again. I remember her literally in my head as she says it out loud. She says, quote, For the rest of us, there's another part of accountability here that has nothing to do with foreign relations and intelligence. It has to do with our own intelligence as a nation and what the consequences are for all of us of a conservative movement that has now spent a full generation telling people, telling Americans to not trust the actual news and to instead invent their own conservative version of it. And they did that. I'm going to read it one more time as soon as I play this clip. And everybody's taking notes, buddy. Keep that little smug. Yeah. We know who you are. We know who you are. You can leave freely, but we will find you, and we know who you are. You will never be allowed in public again. You will never be allowed. You'll never let us out of public again. I'm going to play that clip one more time. Bad place in hell. And everybody's taking notes, buddy. 
Keep that little smug. Yeah. We, we know who you are. We know who you are. We know who you are. You can leave freely, but we will find you, and we know who you are. We know who you are. You will never be allowed. You never let us out of public view. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this one more time. For the rest of us, there's another part of accountability here that has nothing to do with foreign relations and intelligence. It has to do with our own intelligence as a nation and what the consequences are for all of us of a conservative movement that has now spent a full generation telling people, telling Americans, to not trust the actual news and instead to invent their own conservative version of it. And they did that. So we're going to listen to what Robbie has to say in full, and then we're going to discuss, okay? And I'm gonna play these again for all of us so that we have an understanding of what it is that he is defending. Okay, before you obfuscate this point, I am going to say, like I said on Twitter, but a few minutes ago, just like Pete Buttigieg and the rest of these narcs in the Biden administration, these freaking drug warriors, these narcs, not even anything happening to them. They're just going out of their way to be able to use the power of the federal government against their enemies. And it was telegraphed because Joe Biden is a drug warrior, always has been a drug warrior, always was a drug warrior. It doesn't matter who his son is. It doesn't matter that it's hypocritical or that it's hypocrisy. What it matters is that they are going to use the U.S. federal government as a battering ram against their political opponents. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said no fly list should be on the table for unruly passengers. Okay. All right. So first off, a no fly list, in order so we understand what that is, that was created in the aftermath of uh, the 9-11 terror attacks. That was created as a way to be able to blacklist Americans who are U.S. citizens from being able to fly in planes. No, it shouldn't exist. Glenn Greenwald is right. Glenn Greenwald is right. It shouldn't exist, period. It shouldn't exist under any circumstances. I said clearly, no, it shouldn't. Ilhan Omar warned us in the aftermath of January 6th about using the tools of the war on terror against each other. It's a shame we did not listen. This is the end result. Along with this, there is also a, another result that comes along with this, that the attorney general has decided to go about referring people to the FBI is a problem. However, I will add an addendum to that and we will have a discussion afterward. Do I agree that everyday people should be referred to the FBI for investigation? They should have a file on hand because they decided that they wanted to go about protesting, saying they don't like masks, they don't like mandates, they don't wanna have vaccines, they don't want their kids to be vaccinated and all the rest of this stuff. If that's what you want to do, okay, fine. You wanna protest. However, that is not what is happening around the country. And so we're gonna have a quick conversation about what's going on around the country. Again, here it is in full. I love you, Robbie. I really do. I love you, Robbie. I love, I, and, and may the Lord bless you and keep you.
questioning from the Senate Judiciary Committee on a number of subjects, including his recent memo that instructed national law enforcement agencies to coordinate with local school boards and look out for unruly parents at public meetings. That memo followed a plea from the National School Board Association for Merrick Garland to do something about parental fury, which the association described as potentially, quote, domestic terrorism. Now, many parents are understandably upset about being treated like criminals for daring to speak up at school board meetings, and Senate Republicans have let Garland have it. Here was Tom Cotton grilling Garland on whether his memo was directly or indirectly related to the activism of Scott Smith, a Loudoun County, Virginia parent who was arrested for disruptive behavior while protesting his daughter's alleged sexual assault. Senator, anyone whose uh, child was raped as, uh, is a, the most horrific crime I can imagine and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to protest to their school board about that. But he was cited by the school board association that's fine, as a domestic not, terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your... No, th this no, is, Senator, this is that's wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay, that's not... Th thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that, should resign in disgrace, Judge. Now, there's been some additional reporting on the situation in Loudoun County, which Ryan and Emily Jashinsky discussed on the show yesterday. It's not clear at all that the sexual assault took place because of the district's new transgender bathroom policy, and it seems the students involved had planned to meet there. Moreover, some of the reporting from conservative media was sloppy and rushed to judgment in an attempt to make the Loudoun County story about trans issues. But what is true is that a sexual assault was committed by one student against another. The assailant was convicted. The father of the victim was angry. He was arrested arrested for his behavior at a school board meeting, and that incident, parent Scott Smith getting mad at the meeting, was cited by the National School Board Association in its demands for federal involvement. It was one of the news stories that appeared in the footnotes. The association has now... So I just, I want to make it clear. What, so he just stated what was accurate. The National School Board Association has cited this man as a as a request to the federal government for assistance in investigating people who go about making threats. People like the gentlemen who tell people, I know who you are and you won't be allowed out in public anymore. Shouting in his face with a group of people around a car against a school board meeting. And we're gonna play back one more time what Tom Cotton says. And I can assure you, we are going to go in about the FBI and about Josh Hawley and about Ted Cruz and about Tom Cotton. We're definitely gonna talk about the FBI and what was occurring earlier this year with Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley, and Ted Cruz. So we're gonna talk about that. As I said, we're going to have a quick conversation. We're again going to listen to this in full, in context. Daughter's alleged sexual assault. Senator, anyone whose uh, child was raped as, uh, is a, the most horrific crime I can imagine and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to protest to their school board about that. But he was cited by the school board association that's fine, as a domestic not... terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your... No, th this no, is, Senator, this is that's wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay, that's not... Th thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that... should resign in disgrace, Judge. So I am going to play back one more time because I know that Tom Cotton is hoping that you don't realize that he has conflated these two points. That Merrick Garland 
and the Justice Department, along with Joe Biden's administration, has referred to many people as quote-unquote domestic terrorists. And there was a law, there was memorandums put out by the Biden administration earlier this year, perhaps not law, but executive directives that were given by the federal government, by Joe Biden, to designate quote-unquote extremist organizations as domestic terrorists and to direct the Department of Justice along with the other uh, appendages of the federal government to go after left and right-wing extremists. Those who are considered anti-capitalist, those who would consider themselves socialist, communists like myself, are considered quote-unquote domestic terrorists under the eyes of the Biden administration. It was talked about in, in the YDSA NCC co-chair leader up at UVA, University of Virginia in Charlottesville early this year. You should listen to that episode because we talk about Joe Biden and the way that he designates and the way that he designates socialists and anti-capitalists as extremists. But we're going to talk again. I want to bring this point home. Tom Cotton is hoping that he will conflate these two things, the National School Board Association memo, and then on top of that, the actual memo that came out, the memorandum that came out from the Justice Department, headed by Attorney General Merrick Garland. Vote Mark Herring. And I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Vote how you want. Vote how you want. Vote how you want. Vote how you want. I want to be clear about this. We're going to go back one more time, and we're going to listen to what he just said. Protected by the First Amendment to protest to their school board about this. But he was cited. Yes. Yes. By the school board association. That's fine. As a domestic not... terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your. De- no. Th- this no, is. Senator, this is. He was not cited as a domestic terrorist. He was not cited as a domestic terrorist by the National School Board Association. The National School Board Association does not designate people domestic terrorists. That is a function of the federal government, particularly post 9-11. This was a discussion I had earlier this year when it came to Ilhan Omar. She warned us, she said out loud, do not further empower federal government's powers against People who we would consider our enemies do not encourage, do not give license, do not fund, do not make law the war that you are having against your political enemies. That is a problem. That is a big problem. It's one of the reasons why the FBI should be dismantled. The FBI's history is cloaked in racism, and we will get back to that in just a moment. But again, he's hoping that you do not realize what he's saying. That's wrong. Judge about that. But he was cited by the school board association that's fine, as a domestic that's not... terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your directive. No, Th- this... no. That letter and those were the basis for your directive. He was never referred to as, as a domestic terrorist by the school board association that came out of the Biden administration, that came from the directive from the Justice Department that had nothing to do with the National School Board Association. He is conflating those two points. He is hoping that you will not realize it. But again, Oh, we're going to get to the FBI and law breaking when we talk about January 6th and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton. We're going to get back to that. This is, Senator, this is that's wrong. shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. That's not correct. Thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that, should resign in disgrace, Judge. 
Now, there's been some additional reporting on the situation in Loudoun County, which Ryan and Emily Jashinsky discussed on the show yesterday. It's not clear at all that the sexual assault took place because of the district's new transgender bathroom policy, and it seems the students involved had planned to meet there. Moreover, some of the reporting from conservative media. This man says out loud, we got to listen to this one more time because we are going to talk about homophobia and transphobia today. We're going to talk about that because after we're done talking about Robbie and his point, excuse me, we're not going to talk about Robbie. We're going to talk about what Robbie was saying, the point he was making. Again, Robbie is a nice man. I'm sure he's kind. I'm sure he's generous. I'm sure he's smart. He works hard. I'm sure he believes what he's saying and he's earnest. I'm sure he's nice. I, like, I'm sure he ties at church and feeds the homeless and, and, and house, houses the homeless and feeds the hungry. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure. That's got nothing to do with what's coming out of his mouth on a national television show about issues regarding violence around the United States and right-wing organizations about what's going on at local school boards we're going to listen to what Robbie says one more time. Now, there's been some additional reporting on the situation in Loudoun County, which Ryan and Emily Jashinsky discussed on the show yesterday. It's not clear at all that the sexual assault took place because of the district's new transgender bathroom policy, and it seems the students involved had planned to meet there. Moreover, some of the reporting from conservative media was sloppy and rushed to judgment. So let me get this, let me make this clear. This man says out loud, this man says out loud in public that it, this is not clear that this was caused by policy to allow people who are trans, that they identify with a gender differently than the sex that they were assigned at birth, the, the gender that they were assumed to be. He states that it is, that it is not clear if this sexual assault is tied to allowing trans people to use the bathroom with the right sticker next to it. We are going to have that discussion. That, that is, that is outrageous. There is, I wanna make, there is no tie between sexual assault and trans people outside of the fact that trans people are exponentially, overwhelmingly more likely to be sexually assaulted as a trans person. The average life expectancy for a black trans woman is 35 years old, is 35, is 35, is 35 years old. So Robbie here states in this first part that it's not clear if these policy of allowing trans people to use the bathroom of their choice means that people get sexually assaulted as if it as if the two have something to do with one another as though allowing trans people inside of either or bathroom somehow enables sexual assault as though people who sexually assault and rape others have any compunction about going into the wrong bathroom to go sexually assault someone. This was supposed to be a, as far as we understand, a consensual uh, session, whatever's going on. This is madness. We're gonna go into this.
in an attempt to make the Loudoun County story about trans issues. But what is true is that a sexual assault was committed by one student against another. The assailant was convicted. The father of the victim was angry. He was arrested for his behavior at a school board meeting. And that incident, parent Scott Smith getting mad at the meeting, was cited by the National School Board Association in its demands for federal involvement. It was one of the Did they label him a domestic terrorist? They did, not, they did not label him as a domestic terrorist. Is that right? Because we all heard, right? We all heard with our own ears just a few moments ago. I played it three times. I played it three times in full what Tom Cotton said, which is that the National School Board Association designated this man as a, as a domestic terrorist, cited him to the DOJ, and that is the reason why we have this director from the federal government and that is what's going on. First off, that is not true. And number two, what Robbie just stated in reference to the fact that trans people being allowed in bathrooms means that that is somehow true. That is also not true. So we're gonna keep pushing on this. Of the news stories that appeared in the footnotes. The association has now disavowed the letter that they wrote. In a subsequent memorandum issued late last week, the NSBA wrote that, quote, there was no justification for some of the language included in that letter. We deeply value not only the work of local school boards that make important contributions within our communities, but also the voices of parents who should and must continue to be heard when it comes to decisions about their children's education, health, and safety. But what Cotton prompted Garland to admit was that this now disavowed letter is in all likelihood precisely what it caused the AG to issue his own memo calling for FBI involvement with meddlesome school board meetings. And since that is the case, Cotton and other senators are absolutely right to castigate Garland for involving federal law enforcement at the behest of a school board association that really screwed up. Here was Josh Hawley making the same demand. That so, so, so let me make this clear. Let me make this clear. So because the National School Board Association decided to recant what they had stated before, that they stated that somehow they had used the wrong language, that somehow that makes it relevant, somehow we've conflated the two. That somehow Merrick Garland saying there should be FBI involvement along with what's going on inside of school board meetings is somehow the fault of the National School Board Association is not true. We're going to keep moving. That the AG resign. Let me ask you about this. Several of my Democrat colleagues have today, just today in this hearing, multiple times have compared parents who show up at school board meetings, like Mr. Smith here, have compared them to criminal rioters. You think that's right? You think that a parent who shows up at a school board meeting, who has a complaint, who wants to voice that complaint, and maybe she doesn't use exactly the right grammar, you think they're akin to criminal rioters? Do you agree with that? I do not, and I do not remember any senator here compare, making that comparison. Oh, really? These people are just like the folks who came here on January 6th and in, in, in the riot at the Capitol? I don't think it was, they were referring to the picture that you're showing there. Well, I certainly would hope not, but they were referring to parents who go to school board meetings. Mr. Smith is a parent who went to a school board meeting. I'll leave it at this, General Garland. You have weaponized the FBI and the Department of Justice. Your U.S. attorneys are now collecting and cataloging all the ways that they might prosecute parents like Mr. Smith because they want to be involved in their children's education and they want to have a say in their elected officials. It's wrong. It is unprecedented, to my knowledge, in the history of this country, and I call on you to resign. And you know what? He's absolutely right. It is completely and totally unprecedented in the history of this country for mobs of people to descend upon school board meetings and call for people to be arrested. Now, I want to listen to what Tom Cotton said one more time.
Ted Cruz also grilled Garland, noting that many of the school board incidents that had involving federal law enforcement at the behest of a school board association that really screwed up. Here was Josh Hawley making the same demand that the AG resign. Let me ask you about this. Several of my Democrat colleagues have today, just today in this hearing, multiple times have compared parents who show up at school board meetings, like Mr. Smith here, have compared them to criminal rioters. You think that's right? You think that a parent who shows up at a school board meeting who has a complaint, who wants to voice that complaint, and maybe she doesn't use exactly the right grammar, you think they're akin to criminal rioters? Do you agree with that? I do not, and I do not remember any senator here making that comparison. Oh, really? These people are just like the folks who came here on January 6th and in, in, in the riot at the Capitol? I don't think it, they were referring to the picture that you're showing there. Well, I certainly would hope not, but they were referring to parents who go to school board meetings. Mr. Smith is a parent who went to a school board meeting. I'll leave it at this, General Garland. You have weaponized the FBI and the Department of Justice. Your U.S. attorneys are now collecting and cataloging all the ways that they might prosecute parents like Mr. Smith because they want to be involved in their children's education and they want to have a say in their elected officials. It's wrong. It is unprecedented to my knowledge in the history of this country. And I call on you to resign. So here's what we're going to do. So here's what we're going to talk about. So Josh Hawley, so, so first off, before I let him obfuscate this point, before I let him obfuscate, Josh Hawley, we are going to have a discussion about Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz's role on January 6th of counting the electoral votes of the proper and just and secure election of November 2020. We're going to have a discussion about what Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz were up to on, and other members of the Republican caucus were up to in the days and weeks and months and the hours, and, and the days and weeks and months leading up to and the hours of the day of January 6th. We're gonna have a discussion about what Josh Hawley was doing on January 6th. This young man, Josh Hawley, Senator from Missouri, gets up and states out loud that somehow some way that for some reason in his mind parents because the thing is what they try to do is they try to cloak this in liberal elitism they try to cloak this in these smart people are trying to come after you because they think that you're dumb because they think that what you think is dumb and that your life is a is a lie and that we've lied to you and all the rest of this right this is what he has directed this is what he has started this is what he started this is what he started with this young man gets up and says that somehow that people these people who mob mob local school board meetings in order so they can go about saying that we should shoot each other and that they hope things don't get violent but they're ready if they do these people these are the people and there are many in our country who get up and state to school board members in their cars as they're driving away, supposedly about vaccine and mask mandates and public school health policy to tell, to tell school board members, I know who you are. You'll never be allowed in public again. I just, I need to be clear about this. I need to be clear about this. I need to be 100% clear about this. Josh Hawley, 
Say it again. Meetings. Mr. Smith is a parent who went to a school board meeting. I'll leave it at this, General Garland. You have weaponized the FBI and the Department of Justice. Your U.S. attorneys are now collecting and cataloging all the ways that they might prosecute parents like Mr. Smith because they want to be involved in their children's education and they want to have a say in their elected officials. It's wrong. It is unprecedented to my knowledge in the history of this country. And I call on you to resign. Everybody's taking notes, buddy. Keep that little smug. Yeah. We, we know who we you know are. Who you are. We know we who know you are. are. You can leave who you are. But we will find you, and we know who you are. He said, "Listen to that again." He said, "We will find you." We know who you are. You can leave who you are. But we will find you, and we know who you are. We will never be allowed in public again. You will never be allowed. You never let us we know who you are and we will find you okay we're gonna play it we're, we're just and we're going to listen to the rest of what robbie has to say in regards to a parent who got mad about their kid being sexually assaulted in the school okay someone gets pissed off about the fact that their kid or anyone that they know was sexually assaulted that is completely and totally legitimate okay it depends on what the guy did, but if he's just up shouting and he's like, you know, even if he's like, you know, tearing up stuff and whatnot, let him go, man. He's a dad. He's pissed about his kid being raped and he's not happy about it. Okay. And that's perfectly his right to not be happy about it. And to be honest with you, man, let him go. We don't need to toss that guy in jail. He doesn't need an arrest record. He's just mad. He's a therapist. And also some way he needs a therapist and so does his entire family and a psychiatrist they need help in order so that their kid can be able to get over it we are going to finish that is what josh holly and tom cotton are trying to use as a front to defend their actual supporters people like them and for those of you at home the pick up the guns the in 1776 we didn't go to a courthouse we picked up guns and started shooting each other he stated started shooting each other started shooting each other and we are going to get back to that point about shooting each other because that was not what the american revolution was about we did not shoot quote unquote each other we fought the British government, the British Empire, in order to expel them from the country because we were declaring independence. We did not shoot each other. But that is what this guy has learned from American history. That is what he's been taught. That is what this is how that is the basis on which he is making his argument. And it is a fundamental current in the organization of this meeting. So we're going to continue to listen to what Robbie has to say also grilled Garland, noting that many of the school board incidents that had worried federal officials so much were clearly nonviolent. So let's watch that. During this hearing, I counted 20 incidents cited. Of the 20, 15 on their face are nonviolent. They involve things like insults. They involve a Nazi salute. That's one of the examples. My God, a parent did a Nazi salute at a school board because he thought the, the, the policies were oppressive. General Garland is doing a Nazi salute at an elected official. Is that protected by the First Amendment? Yes, it is. Okay.
once again, Ted Cruz has the nerve, has the nerve, the gall, the gall, the nerve on Ted Cruz and Josh Holly to talk about FBI involvement and to talk about criminal rioters while sitting in, a, in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee? What? We're going to talk about what Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz were up to on January 6th. And we're going to talk about how, for the rest of us, there are consequences for a conservative movement that have told people to not trust the, re the actual news and instead invent their own conservative version of it. Go ahead, Robbie. So let's watch that. During this hearing, I counted 20 incidents cited. Of the 20, 15 on their face are nonviolent. They involve things like insults. They involve a Nazi salute. That's one of the examples. My God, a parent did a Nazi salute at a school board because he thought the, the, the policies were oppressive. General Garland is doing a Nazi salute at an elected official. Is that protected by the First Amendment? Yes, it is. Okay. Now, Cruz was defending a parent's First Amendment right to make a gesture, insinuating that the school board members were being like Nazis. He was obviously not defending Nazism or defending Nazi salutes, yet here's how one mainstream journalist reported the exchange. That's Aaron Ruper, formerly of Media Matters and Vox, now writing independently on Substack. It's a great example of a liberal journalist applying wrong and utterly bad faith spin. Ruper is in good company, of course. No hire a mainstream liberal authority. Look. Look, Aaron Rupar, I don't know the man. I've seen him around on Twitter. I'm sure I may have followed him at some point. I don't know him from Adam. I'm sure he's a nice man who means well, who works hard, who houses the homeless and feeds the hungry, goes to church, ties right, you know, ties his shoe, does all of that. I'm sure he's nice. The effect of what he says is wrong. Of course, anyone should defend, just like Noam Chomsky does. Noam Chomsky says over and over and over again, freedom of speech is about allowing or is about agreeing that your enemy has the right to say what they have to say no matter how much you disagree with it that is what freedom of speech is that is why noam chomsky has taken a lot of flack from the left and a lot of flack from mainstream society for defending often neo-nazis white supremacists right-wing fascists from being for being able to speak because they have a right to do so because he realizes just like ilhan omar realizes just like I realize, just like I hope you realize, that at any time, the tables can be turned and moved back on you. ...than former President Barack Obama has indirectly weighed in on these issues, accusing Glenn Youngkin, the Republican candidate for governor of Virginia, of wasting time, quote, on these phony, trumped-up culture wars, this fake outrage that right-wing media peddles to juice their ratings. Does right-wing media peddle fake outrage? Undoubtedly, all the time. So does the mainstream media, progressive media, social media, of course. But let's set that aside for a moment. The issue of unaccountable public school systems hiding what's really going on from parents and then begging the feds for help when they finally face some scrutiny, that's real. Parents have good reason to be outraged, especially after putting up with a year of the complete farce of virtual learning when many schools weren't bothering to educate their kids at all. It was a disaster. And the only upside was that many parents got to see, for perhaps the first time, what was really happening in the classroom. And they don't like it. So let me, so, so, so we're going to play this back one more time, all the way from where he talks about what Aaron Ruper says, because I completely agree with him about Aaron Ruper. I don't think that that is a fair characterization of what Ted Cruz was saying. 
I don't like Ted Cruz. I think Ted Cruz is a weasel. Ted Cruz and I have a, I mean, I don't know this man. He's, a, he's probably not aware of me. But I have had my eye on Ted Cruz for quite some time. Ever since in the early 20-teens when him and his father were getting up there, him and his father are having a town hall somewhere. And his father gets up and explains how he escaped from Cuba and about how Jesus Christ had basically anointed his son to run for Senate and that we should all be Christian warriors too. That's what he was stating. Look, I have an issue with Ted Cruz, but that is not what he was saying. He was defending the right of someone to speak. However, once again, this is all done in the cloak of I'm defending the regular guy, the local yokel who's showing up upset about their child's education. We're going to, again, listen to what Robbie has to say in full, uninterrupted. Of course, no higher a mainstream liberal authority than former President Barack Obama has indirectly weighed in on these issues, accusing Glenn Youngkin, the Republican candidate for governor of Virginia, of wasting time, quote, on these phony, trumped-up culture wars, this fake outrage that right-wing media peddles to juice their ratings. Does right-wing media peddle fake outrage? Undoubtedly, all the time. So does the mainstream media, progressive media, social media, of course. But let's set that aside for a moment. The issue of unaccountable public school systems hiding what's really going on from parents and then begging the feds for help when they finally face some scrutiny, that's real. Parents have good reason to be outraged, especially after putting up with a year of the complete farce of virtual learning when many schools weren't bothering to educate their kids at all. It was a disaster. And the only upside was that many parents got to see, for perhaps the first time, what was really happening in the classroom. And they don't like it. Before he obfuscates this point, before he obfuscates this point, I want to make clear that this young man is stating that somehow the last year, now look, we can set aside what the US federal government and the local state government's response to COVID in terms of education was. That we can set aside. I'm not here to debate that today. Yes, I think it was appalling. Yes, I think it failed an entire generation. But you wanna know what else fails generations? You wanna know what else fails children? Charter schools, magnet schools, redistricting, Take white flight. That's what ruins redlining, modern day redlining. That's what ruins children's education. Poverty is what ruins children's education. Food insecurity is what ruins kids', kids education. Lack of access to public services is what ruins kids' education. Because the conditions inside their dormitories are the conditions inside their minds are the conditions inside the classroom. When it comes to Howard University, when it comes to regular school, the conditions inside the home are the conditions inside the mind are the conditions inside the classroom for learning. You know what really hurts people? So-called school choice. That people, libertarians, and I believe he may consider himself to be a libertarian, I don't know, he is analogous to that field of right-wingery. Okay? God bless his heart. God bless you, Robbie. I really, Once again, I love you dearly, brother. I love you dearly. This is not personal. It's not personal. He states out loud clearly that somehow this is all representative of what's going on inside the school board. And somehow he wraps up early. Because you remember he mentioned that. You heard him say that earlier, right? I mean, I played it twice. 
I played it twice. You heard him mention the fact that we don't know, it's not clear, if allowing trans people inside of bathrooms that they that they assign that they identify with, the little sign next to the bathroom, somehow encourages sexual assault or somehow produces higher rates of it or something to that effect. That is so beyond not true. That is so transphobic. That is so homophobic. That is so disgusting to even begin to bring that up. But as I said, I am not going, I'm not simply going to assume that he means harm by it. I'm going to assume that either he misspoke, he's ignorant, or maybe he just has a view of the world where trans people being allowed to enter the bathrooms that they assign themselves with somehow means somehow means that people are going to be sexually assaulted. Listen. You know, I, I think it's, it's just so wrong, the kind of framing that uh, many in the media have taken about this, like, oh, it's so weird that parents could possibly be really upset and a little unruly about what's been going on. And I, I don't agree with all of the concerns the parents have shared, but the education system failed your average parent in a massive, massive, massive way during the pandemic. One of the most disappointing performances of any kind of thing that any function our government does and they're they're as citizens they're speaking up about that and it's the other side is acting like that's crazy that they're that they're mad and no one on quote and as this, and, and we've already listened to what we have to listen to what he said he said what he said i played it enough times robbie got his robbie got his statement i pro robbie has probably talked more in this in this podcast that i have okay again robbie this is not personal. I don't hate you, man. As I said, I'm sure you house the homeless and feed the hungry and, 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 and heal the blind. I'm sure you do. But that is not the point. The kind of argument that you have furthered is a problem for me because it legitimates people like this who show up to school board meetings and talk about shooting one another shooting quote unquote each other so we're gonna listen to one more time what's going on staten island is a part of new york city that right wing repository new york city right the radical right is housed out of new york city staten island is its own place in the world we're just gonna put that aside okay <laughs> everybody from new york y'all know staten island different <laughs> y'all know staten island different but still my point remains this is not somehow unrepresentative of the Republican Party. This is in Staten Island, inside of New York City, inside of New York State. New York City, because we're going to have a conversation about that, because let me tell you something. What's going on? He doesn't go on to state what kind of concerns there are. And he's talking about how the education system has failed. Yes, it has failed because of Republican policy, because of no child left behind, because of the neoliberal capitalist ideology this idea that just like in the case of rachel Maddow, when she states it yet again i'm going to read her verbatim in order so that i am not accused of misquoting her misstating her somehow she didn't state what she stated or that i'm putting words in her mouth or whatever else is going on here quote for the rest of us there's another part of accountability here that has nothing to do with foreign relations and intelligence it has to do with our own intelligence as a nation and what the consequences are 
for all of us of a conservative movement that has now spent a full generation telling people, telling Americans not to trust the actual news and to instead invent their own conservative version of it. And they did that. Not only in this case is it somehow that they have spent an entire generation telling themselves, many generations now, at least two or three telling themselves that we're going to invent our own version of news. It is this individualistic thought that somehow if I could take my resources and I could apply it to a private institution, that somehow I can make my life better through quote unquote choice. And what that means is white flight. What that means is taking all of the resources out of places where people are poor, where people are different, and sectioning that part of society off. You want to know how I know that? I'm just going to make a quote. This is from an article from ProPublica for those listening at home. This is by Nicole Hannah-Jones, written June 25th, 2015. It's, the title is, um, it's under the, the, the main head title, that main headline is Segregation Now. And the subheadline or the subtitle is Living Apart, How the Government Betrayed a Landmark Civil Rights Law. Okay, so we're going to go back down to find and we're going to go noose. Okay, again, this is the famed radical, the known leftist re revolutionary George Romney, who states the plan, quote, the plan George Romney wrote in confidential memo to AIDS was to use his power as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development to remake America's housing patterns, which he described as a, quote, high-income white noose around the black inner city. This is what George Romney is stating. This is what George Romney is stating. That is what we have encouraged. That is what we have done. And you want to know how I know that that's the case? You want to know how I know that? Because you want to know when Chesapeake City was founded it was done in 1963. I wonder what was happening in 1963, around about that time, just a random guess as to what was occurring in the country and specifically in Virginia, at the, in the South, in the capital of the Confederacy. Why did Chesapeake decide to break away from, from Norfolk? It's called white flight. It's called white flight. That is Norfolk. This is Chesapeake. This is where white people live. That is where black people live. Camelot, a neighborhood within Chesapeake. Camelot, near Portsmouth, used to be an all-white neighborhood. It is now known as a quote-unquote ghetto. There was a whole shopping center within Camelot. It was there as local businesses were there. It was a middle-class, upper-middle-class area. That's why it was called Camelot. Sir Arthur and Camelot. The Anglo-Saxon ideal of society. Sir Arthur and Camelot. And it is now a completely black neighborhood. Why? Because as the Fair Housing Act came into pass, as George Romney, that known lefty liberal, began making the analysis, making the point that high-income white America was a, quote, noose around the neck of the black inner city, black people moved in, white people moved out.
All right? That's why, that's how I know in my own city, in my own hometown of what's going down around the country about what parents really mean, what people really mean by school choice. It means that, again, as I say in the F word, as I'll, uh, and I'll put that in the description, as I say in the F word, it's about fascism. It is about the point. It is about the point that we are now told that the way that we find our way through the world, the way that we solve our problems is through the free market, through individual choice, that the public good, that the general welfare clause of the United States Constitution is in fact not there. Or in fact, the federal government shouldn't have any say when it comes to when it comes to the general welfare of society, which is how we classify public schools. So we're gonna listen one more time to what these young people have to say out and about in the radical city of in the radical place of New York City. This is mainstream Republicans. These are the people that organize. The fuck Biden signs and the and the socialism sucks and the Punisher logos and the Blue Lives Matter and the American flags and the socialism you know socialism sucks or the you know cancel socialism whatever. That is mainstream Republican thought. That is mainstream Republican Facebook, World Net Daily, the Daily Wire, the Daily Caller. Um, um, I mean, you name the right wing rag. That is main the Drudge Report. That is main red state. That is mainstream Republican thought. Mainstream Facebook Republican thought. We're going to talk about exactly what it is that they are saying. If they're going to push this on the kids without any type of you know balance on our end that we feel we're comfortable with, I can guarantee you one thing: town halls and schools will be fucking burned to the ground. <laughs> Nobody went to fucking court. Nobody went to court. Everyone grabbed the gun and they fucking shot at each other. And again, I do not condone violence. I hope we don't get there. I hope we don't get there. But just understand that there are plenty of people that are ready to go there. We're going to listen to it one more time. They're going to push this on the kids without any type of states out in public out in public so 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 before we get into him obfuscating him not it's not even obfuscation him just outright lying about what 17 about what happened in 1776 which actually it really started in 1775 but we'll get to that 
about the civil war within the British Empire, or as we know it, the Revolutionary War, about how the United States declared independence. We're going to get to how he conflated history in a second. However, what we are first going to get to is what he states out loud, which in this first section is this. If they're going to push this on the kids without any type of you know, balance on our end that we can be comfortable with, I can guarantee you one thing. Town halls and schools will be fucking burnt to the ground. So for all of you at home, there are about mm, 150, maybe 200 people there outside of a house. They're not at a town. They're not at a school board meeting. But what he says is that if the school board, those who are voted into office, go about doing their jobs, go about in, 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 in enacting policy that they were elected to do, that they are responsible for, they are responsible for the health and welfare, the general welfare of the kids and the staff that they have in their care, that they are responsible for, that somehow, that somehow it matters, that somehow it matters what these young people are saying. that somehow if they were to enforce that, we should burn it to the ground. That somehow we should burn city council meetings, school board meetings to the ground. That's what he said. You heard it twice, three times now. That's what he said verbatim. So I can't be accused of taking it out of context. 1776, Americans picked up guns and started fighting the British. The people of the United States of America decided that they no longer wanted to be ruled by the British Empire at its peak. They no longer wanted to be under its rule. That was the decision that they made. We did not start fighting each other. We did not pick up guns instead of going to a courthouse and started shooting each other. That is not what happened in the Revolutionary War. That's not what happened. In doing so, he calls for violence. Just understand that there are people ready to go there. Once again, as I stated before, the Second Amendment is about deputizing everyday citizens with guns to go around and making their own justice. Justice 
under the Second Amendment is no, in its modern interpretation, even in its previous interpretation, enacting a right for a well-regulated militia for the nece necessary, being necessary for the security of a free state, comma, comma, state is capitalized. The right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. No semicolons, just commas, and we can all fight about that. That's not what I'm here to do today. The point is, is that it established a right for states, for local, federal, state governments, local, federal, state governments, but in particular state governments to organize militias to police people who were in bondage, slaves, people who were considered property in shackles. And by enforce, I mean shoot them if they decide to run shoot them murder them torture them sexually assault them if they decide that they want freedom that is what the second amendment was created for period end of statement over discussion just over that's what it was made for regardless of how it's interpreted today however its impact over time is to deputize everyday human beings, everyday Americans to carry out their own justice. And that is what he's referring to. We can't win the war of words, so now we're just gonna pick up guns and we're gonna start shooting each other. Bad place in hell, and everybody's taking notes, buddy. Keep that little smug. Yeah. We know who you are. We know who you are. We know who you are. You can leave. We know who you are. But we will find you, and we know who you are. You will never be allowed in public again. You will never be allowed. You never let us out of public again. We know who you are, and we will find you. We know who you are. Now, I think I've talked enough about what's going on at school board meetings. But I ain't forgot about the senator from Arkansas, the senator from Texas, and the senator of Missouri, and what was going on on January 6th. I ain't forgot, ain't, ain't, ain't forgot shit about none of that. I ain't forgot shit about none of that. Because I'm going to put two images up side by side with one another. And we're going to have a quick discussion about what was going down on January 6th. Because this is, because, you know, I find it real fascinating. I find it real fascinating. I just find it real fascinating that Josh Hawley has the caucasity to let out of his mouth, to let out of his mouth, talking about rioters on January 6th. The right knew what was going to happen. Donald Trump, as we, as I told you earlier, as we watched earlier, knew what was occurring, knew what was occurring. He watched it while the Capitol that he is charged with protecting, the Capitol that he is responsible for, the Capitol that he took a constitutional oath, the counting of the electoral college votes from the states from a fair and free and secure election. The duty of Congress, federal government, to count the electoral votes in order to ratify the election. That was a constitutional duty on behalf of Congress on January 6th. 
Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz were among the main people who voted against counting the electoral votes. This is the President of the United States watching as his crowd mobs the Capitol, swarms the Capitol. This is what Donald Trump was doing while he is sworn to uphold and protect the United States Constitution in all of it in its entirety. He's sworn to do so. And what was Josh Hawley doing? Raising his fist to people who not only rushed the congressional bu building, not only broke glass and property, but literally planted bombs and fired automatic rifles into the Capitol building. Because that's what the good senator from Missouri was up to supporting, encouraging, identifying with those people on January 6th. That's what he was doing. Now, whether or not Josh Hawley had personal knowledge of what was likely to happen, I don't know. I can't, I'm not inside his head. I don't know what was in his press, press briefings. I don't know what was said between him and his staff in the months, weeks, hours leading up to January 6th. I don't know. Right? I can't make that allegation here with any sort of certainty. I don't know. But what I do know is that the effect of what he did here and the effect of his vote to not ratify the Electoral College votes legitimated what these people came here to do. It legitimated Donald Trump's big lie about an election that was stolen from him about an election that he called Georgia officials about trying to get them to stop counting the votes. This lie that was the basis for the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Because as I stated, I don't know whether or not Josh Hawley had personal knowledge of what was going on. I don't know. I'm not inside his head. I didn't read his press briefings or his briefings on the days, weeks, months, hours leading up to the January 6th insurrection. I can't, I don't know. But I can tell you that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in her account of what happened on January 6th stated clearly that at least on the Democratic side of the House of Representatives, that it was well known that there was violence expected on January 6th. And that she specifically, along with other members of Congress, needed to watch out. And that is the movement. That the, these are the people. These are the people who did that. That's what Josh Hawley did. And, uh, uh-huh. That's what Josh Hawley was up to. And is he sorry? Is he sorry even after all of it? Yup, he sure isn't. Because you want to know what? There's an article out in the Washington Post saying very clearly, GOP Senator 
Senator Hawley says he does not regret raising fist to pro-Trump supporters. They were not pro-Trump. They were po- they were pro usurping the federal government. And here's an article by Jordan Carney on May 4th of 2021 stating here Senator Josh Hawley, represent, uh, or senator from Republican from Missouri, who led efforts to challenge the 2012, excuse me, the 2020 election results in Congress, on Tuesday defended his fist pump to protesters outside of the Capitol on January 6th. "Quote that this is Josh Hawley speaking. Quote quote that was as I was entering the House chamber of the morning of the sixth. Hawley told the Washington Post live. Quote." Those were demonstrators who were out on the plaza, on the far end of the plaza, standing behind barricades, waving American flags, end quote. Beginning the quote again, quote, some of them were calling, so I gestured toward them, he added. They had every right to be there when I walked by that particular group of folks who were standing there peacefully behind police barricades. That's what, that's what Josh Hawley was up to on January 6th. Ted Cruz, we're going to see what Ted Cruz was up to. On January 6th, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz voted against counting the Electoral College votes. We're going to see Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, Tommy Tuberville, John Kennedy, Clyde Hill Smith. Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley were among the main people who objected to the counting of the electoral votes of a free and fair election. Let me be clear, the Constitution to which they are sworn to uphold and defend, to legislate in the name of, they voted against the constitutional process of counting the electoral votes. They encouraged, they legitimated, and they incited this kind of action. For those of you at home who are not able to see, I would encourage you to Google January 6th noose, N-O-O-S-E. They built a gallows with a noose for members of Congress that they intended to go in and arrest and perhaps murder. Because the first places that they went was looking for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They made a beeline straight for their offices, went looking for AOC, went looking for Ayanna Presley, went looking for Rashida Tlaib, went looking for Ilhan Omar. That's who they were looking for. And, wh- and who suffers as a result of that? of this noose, uh, who suffers as a result of the propaganda that comes out of the right wing about legitimating these so-called protests? Of people coming up to people's cars saying, I know who you are and that I'm gonna find out where you live? People rallying outside of houses stating that they're going to shoot, that, 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 that the Revolutionary War was somehow about, somehow about Americans picking up guns and shooting each other. 
who would suffer as a result of this are the people are Josh Hawley. Who suffers as a result of Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz's lies? Of them voting to, and among other senators, among for, for their lies, for their violation of their constitutional duty in order to count the electoral college votes. It was AOC. It was Ayanna Presley. It was Ahan Omar. It's Nancy Pelosi. It's Chuck Schumer. It are it is it is these people who suffer as a result of right-wing lies, of coming up with their own version of history. And these men, these men have the audacity, the caucasity to get up and say out loud, to get up and say out loud that this is somehow about parents getting upset protesting masks and vaccine mandates does not ever coming up with chants about uh, no Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA or this is what democracy looks like is not the same as this Everybody's taking notes, buddy. Keep that little smug. Yeah. We, we know who you are. We know who you are. You can leave freely, but we will find you, and we know who you are. You will never be allowed in public again. You will never be allowed. You never let us out of public again. Uh-huh. To push this on the kids without any type of, you know, balance on our end I can guarantee you one thing. Town halls and schools will be fucking burnt to the ground. In 1776, in 1776, nobody went to fucking court. Nobody went to court. Anyone grabbed the gun and they fucking shot at each other. And again, I do not condone violence. I hope we don't get there. I hope we don't get there. But just understand that there are plenty of people that are ready to go there. If they're going to push this on the... Okay. So, again, this is not about... In all respect to Robbie Soloff, this is not about Robbie Soloff, about him personally. This is about transphobia and homophobia. That's what this is about. That's why this matters. Because instead of what we're, because the right wing press is once again gonna get away with not only conflating things and hoping that you forget that they've conflated them, like Tom Cotton did, like Aaron Ruper did, like Josh Hawley did. They are hoping that they can conflate it in order so that they can achieve a political goal. That's what they're doing.